And now, the Doe Post. Welcome to the Doe Post Podcast on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. That's right, your boy is now on Spotify Podcasts. And today, we have James Garcia, another SBC alum, and we're here to talk about Frank Ocean and basketball. James, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on. It's, it's, it's been a long time, this episode. We ran through some troubles on my end, but we're back. Yeah, it's, it's been some time, but it's uh, good to be here, good to get started, and I'm so glad we're talking about Frank. Yeah. So, before I did my intro, James and I were just talking about uh, the Celtics and Spurs. So, James, wh- where are you from originally? I am from San Antonio, Texas. Okay, and what what team are you rooting for, though? I am a diehard Boston Celtics fan. Wow, so that's a that's a shocker to me. And then, which team do you write for? I write for the Boston Celtics. And who does your family root for? Every single family member is a San Antonio Spurs fan. Wow, that is amazing. I get some heat for it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I can tell. I I can tell. And then, can you can you explain to the audience here, like why why you uh, chose the Celtics over the Spurs, your hometown Spurs? Well, I'm not a kind of guy where it's just like, oh, my dad rooted for that team, so that's going to be my team. I'm not a Cowboys lover. I'm not a Cowboys fan. So I just ended up wanting to pick my own team, and I feel like I didn't pick the Spurs. The Spurs were sort of forced upon me, so I picked the Celtics because Paul Pierce was a bigger guy, not the fastest, not the strongest, and. I feel like that was kind of my body type, the way I played. So I love Paul Pierce. Watched a lot of Celtics games. Two years later, they made the KG Ray Allen trade. And ever since then, I've been in. So how do you feel about the Celtics not winning, only winning one championship in the last 30 years? That sounds about accurate. For what they've done, like there was a good rough stretch. Like that whole mid-2000s, they made the playoffs a couple of times had some good battles with the Pacers, but they just weren't good. Like, they didn't have good enough talent to be championship contenders, I would say. And the whole Rick Pitino thing happened also. And I feel like they just haven't found their footing since, or they found their footing once they got Doc Rivers and then Brad Stevens' transition, and they've been solid ever since. But before that, they were just, I would say, a mess. Yeah, it's pretty rare for me to get to be able to talk to a Celtics fan. So I just want to ask... Something that I've always wanted to ask a Celtics fan, which is when oh, no. when Bill Simmons said that he thought you guys would win sixty seven games, were you on that train, or were, did you also think Bill was a little was stretching there? Sixty seven is a lot of games. Yeah, but then when you put it in retrospect, it's like, well, the Warriors did just win seventy three a couple of years ago, so is sixty seven that big of a deal? And I was like thinking that was ridiculous for him to say it before the season started. But at the same time, I sort of, like, didn't give him the full, like, oh, this guy's crazy, just because the Warriors had won 73 before it. And if the Warriors didn't win 73, then I would have been like, okay, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But just the recency bias of the Warriors doing that just made me think, okay, maybe it is possible. But I didn't think it was possible. But that that Warriors team took down Jordan and the Bulls, right? So. Yeah, just for him to say that the Boston Celtics with just Kyrie and Gordon Hayward 
an injured Gordon Hayward, right, or coming off mm-hmm. injury, would be able to pull off 67 wins. That was one of the craziest things I've heard last season in basketball. If you had asked me before that season had started, I would have said, like, 60 to 62. Mm-hmm. I would have never said anything over 65, just because I know the load management thing would have been apparent because of the Kyrie and Gordon injuries. But 67, that's just, that's too much. Yeah. Like, even making it to 60 means that you're, you're a very good team, right? Yes, and very consistent with very healthy team. Yeah. Well, all right, let's get back on the, on the topic here at hand. But um, how did you... So, me, me and James, we met at, at Sports Business Classroom 2019 Vegas. And mm-hmm. so, how did you get to SBC? Uh, I took a plane. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, I was reading about it on Dave DeForest Twitter actually last year and I thought about applying and I asked Dave a couple of questions and he was telling me all about it and I said, all right, uh, I don't know. And I had the jitters, so I just didn't do it. But as the season came around again and I was thinking, okay, this is going to be it. This is my year. I'm going to do it. My girlfriend actually did a lot of convincing to help me do it. And I did it next two or three days to got the email saying I was in. I was super stoked. Did you also like, when you were on the application page, did you enter in your email and then leave? But then, like, they still had your email, so they kept emailing you to, like, convince you to come? Did that happen to you, or was that just me? Uh, that might have been just you. It wasn't me. Really? Once I did the application, I just, like, finished it right then and there. Oh, okay. So, for me, I, I put in my email, and then I left it for, like, months until the last day of the early bird deadline. And then Larry just reached out to me personally, and then he he like convinced me of his like genuine kindness and then then that's when i like applied for real so yeah man that's larry for you yeah <laughs> dude, that's how he draws you in with his being nice like that yeah that's how he does it that's his little trickery there yeah classic larry living like larry dude larry larry yeah <laughs> yeah all right so james we did not talk that much during sbc but do you remember how we met? Because I remember. But I want to hear. I want to hear your story first. Ooh, testing the memory. So let's see. This was in July. It is now September as we're recording. Oof. I want to say it was the trade deadline, mock trade deadline. Yeah. But I feel like I'm going to be wrong. I'd say so too. Unless we we bumped into each other, or like it went, when we were at the welcome reception, we may have said hi, but. Like we, the only time we ever interacted, I think, was during the trade deadline. And yeah, uh, there was just so many of us that it was hard to, hard to like get a good in depth conversation with everybody. But we we tried our best, right, to like get to yeah. see everybody. But it's cool because yeah, we're all on this. With, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. You go ahead. Okay, I, I was just gonna say like it's cool for all of us to be on the Slack and you know to, uh, and then we have that cool spreadsheet with everyone's numbers on it and. You know, everyone's inviting yeah. each other to be on their podcasts. Yes, I think that's awesome. Podcasters inviting other podcasters is like what podcasts are meant for. So I think, so you were representing the Philadelphia 76ers, right? That is correct. Yeah. And we then, definitely won. I don't know about that. I think, I, I thought, I thought Larry would like determine his own winner, but then that's kind of, that's very subjective to like see who had the, really had the best deal. But yeah. So the trade deadline for people who don't know, uh, it's just all the SBC students, like 87 of us, they were, we were split off into teams and then we all had our own experts to guide us and help us. So like 
all the a lot of media members and a former executives from the NBA they were there and James and I I was on the Utah Jazz and James was representing the 76ers and I met James because correct me if I'm wrong here but it was just during the negotiation part of the exercise where uh, we were just walking around trying to do deals and for me I I, 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 I was in charge of trying to find someone from the 76ers to talk to and then I just bumped into James and then I just kept bringing him over to my table all the time to like talk to Wes Wilcox would you say yep. that's accurate that is 100 percent accurate it was a a deal we were trying to work for uh, Royce O'Neal but you, you you knew what you were doing with all the deal making right because I didn't so that's why I was in charge of just bringing people over to come talk to us yeah uh, our I guess expert was Steve Kyler and he sort of gave us homework quote-unquote the uh, day before negotiations and he said everybody come up with a list of who you would want to target for tomorrow and basically everybody that we ended up targeting or even trading for was on my list nobody else had a person on their list that's not a shot at them it's just happened to be not as good as roster construction as I am <laughs> <laughs> yeah Wes Wilcox did the same with my group where he assigned us homework the day before we were supposed to negotiate so he just told us like ask ask people like four questions which were um what do you want or like what are your goals and then tell tell them what what our goals are like just four questions to ask and then we all just report back to him the next day so that was cool hmm. to be a part of that was that's pretty good strategy yeah steve just wanted us to make sure we don't use any players names when we were negotiating trades mm, yeah and then I don't know if you heard the podcast where Larry, Dave, and Bo were talking with Khan. Did you hear it? It was a... I, yes, the post-SBC uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there, I did. Remember the part where Bo said that he was... He thought he was screwed over by Wes Wilcox during the deal-making? Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually texted him right after I heard it, and I told him that if Wes like, wanted to purposely mess with Bo, like, he didn't tell any of us. And he that that must have been like his own side project, because it's personal vendetta. <laughs> yeah, from what from what I know, it's we were trying to make deals with like multiple teams, so like seventy sixers included, and I think we really needed Dave to g like give us Bradley Beal, and then he just he said no. So then because he said no, like that just trickled down into like the other teams. So we had to like pivot away from Bo's like Clippers. So <laughs> what happened w with Bo? for uh people listening is his team was just waiting on us because we, we kept telling them to wait on us because we were waiting on other teams and they did but then we ended up like ditching them late in the game and uh i don't know i don't know if they were screwed over but Bo felt like he was screwed over by wes wilcox the former general manager of the atlanta hawks so gotta have that backup plan yeah gotta have that backup plan yeah i feel like Bo knows knows what to do next year then yeah for sure and yeah, we were in that same boat of just like waiting, waiting. Steve was telling us, oh, what, what's Utah doing? Where's Utah at? Where's Utah at? And I was oh, they're still waiting on something, waiting on something. And it seemed like he was about to get a little impatient and call it off. But after we ended up signing Kyle Korver, then he was just pretty patient and said, okay, we can just sort of wait and see what happens. And then I think my team got Blake Griffin, if I'm not mistaken. So we did all right, I guess. That sounds pretty good. Okay, so the today's episode, Frank Ocean and basketball. I was talking to James about this like a month ago, maybe right? And yeah, mm -hmm. 
I originally envisioned this episode to be like the Spotify like music podcast. You know, have you heard of it? The there's a the guy dissect or whatever. The the guy who like goes su- uh yeah, dissect. He goes like super in depth into like his favorite like musicians. So like Kanye, Frank Ocean, um, Mary J. Blige, the famous songs of like history. Right. And then I originally wanted to do the same thing, but when I, when I was researching his process, he spends like 60 hours for like, like one song, I think. So I was like, sheesh, we're never, we're never going to get to that level in such a short amount of time. So no. yeah. So I mean, then, it sounds really interesting. I've never actually listened to one of those podcasts, but dude, his research I, I would is, love it. Yeah. Yeah. So his, his episodes are like 30 minutes long. Right. But, um, in interviews that that, that guy gives, he, he has like 60 hours worth of research onto like one album or maybe like hours of research for one song. So going like line by line and dissecting what it means or yeah. But then he also connects it to like what's happening in real life that inspired the lyrics, you know? So yeah. So like, for example, Frank ocean, um, coming out as gay before releasing channel orange, he, and then he, he tried to connect the lyrics to, like, specifically that, right? So lyrics that showing, like, um, Frank's coming coming out. And I, you already know this probably, but, you know, Channel Orange and the color orange kind of represents, like, a certain kind of mood compared to the mm-hmm. other colors. Yep. Yeah. So his Dissect podcast, like, covers all that. And there's, like, a whole, like, season wor- season's worth of it. So it covers like almost like all the songs in Channel Orange and also Blonde as well. Oof. Well, now I know what to listen to on my next commute. But today we're not we're not we're not going in depth like that. We're gonna do our own thing, trying to connect Frank Ocean to basketball somehow. Um, oh, it's an easy process. So tell me, James, why why do you like why do you love Frank Ocean? Hmm, that is probably the most difficult question I've ever been asked in my entire life. In your existence. In your existence, perhaps? of my life. In the history of your life. Give it a try, James. In all my years. Um, well, he creates an atmosphere with his music. Like, listening to Frank almost puts you in a world painted by Frank. And he's, like, inviting you in. He creates this aura with it. And that's what I like about it. He has a soulful voice. Like, you can feel the emotion in his voice when he's singing. And even if he's not singing, if he's more of just like talk singing, halfway singing, you feel hurt. You can feel betrayal. You can just feel the emotions he's feeling. He he, uh, portrays it very well. I also really enjoy his time before he went solo in uh, Odd Future. Pun pun intended or pun not intended? Pun not intended. Pun not intended. And even you caught that actually for me. Yeah, I caught it. Yeah, The Odd Future was uh, really great. I really enjoyed his singing, like on uh, She. I was like, oh, this is great. And once I realized he was starting to go solo, that's when I went in depth. I'm like, okay, how much solo stuff does he actually have? So that's when I listened to like the Lonnie Bro collection, and that was amazing. And I listened to uh, Nostalgia Ultra, and that just like, blew my mind. For me, Channel Orange was the first album, right? So I, I did Channel Orange first, and then I went back to nostalgia ultra and then i was there for blonde but i think my first memory of it of frank ocean was i was playing video games with like a friend in high school at at his house 
and mm-hmm. I think it was just Call of Duty or some or Halo. We were just playing Frank Ocean, as as all as all boys do, right? When we play video games, we have music playing on the, the side. mandatory track list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was playing. Uh, I think I think Pyramids was like the first song. Besides, like, besides, th- like, thinking about you, right? Because thinking about you was like on radio and stuff, and it was mainstream. Mm-hmm. But my next song was like Pyramid, and Pyramids is like five or six minutes long for a song, right? Which is like super rare, right? I think it's a ten-minute long song. Wait, yeah, I'm sorry, ten minutes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, anyways, I just remember f- hearing Pyramids and seeing how, and just like being awestruck at how long Pyramids was. And to your point about his voice, I feel like every song that he sings, it's like he's crying out his feelings to you, you know, through yeah. music. And it's a beautiful thing to hear. It is. Because you don't get too much emotion uh, being sent out from a male artist anymore. So it's it's great to like break from that very much beaten path of no emotion to getting all of this emotion being flooded with it, almost overwhelmed with it. And the honesty of it as well. It's not, yes. you don't see it a lot in music. It's so genuine. And also, I think, go ahead. Uh, I think I actually had a similar memory when I was first hearing Pyramids. I know exactly where I was. I was with my cousin Josh, and we were listening to uh, some other thing. I think it was just like on YouTube or whatever. And I was scrolling through, was it Twitter at the time? Might have been Facebook. Can't remember where social media was in at that time. 2012, might have been Twitter. Anyways, scrolling through and I see Frank Ocean drop the new song. And at that point, I was already a Frank Ocean stand. So I immediately put it on. And I already knew it was a classic halfway through. And then when that beat switched, oh, it like blew my mind. I was like, did he just do that? I started the song over. We listened to it like a good six or seven times while playing video games. It was nuts. Yeah, I even... Other video games that I'd play and then I'd have Frank Ocean in the background would be like League of Legends, you know? I just have my headphones yeah. on. I just stick in my um, my in, my headphones into the aux port, play, play a game of League and just have like all the whole... The entire Channel Orange album just be playing while, while I play League. And it's it's one of those things where... It's something from your childhood that you'll never forget, you know? Yeah, like it just hits a different part of your brain and just brings back a lot of memories of where you were when you first heard it or what was going on in your life when you would repeatedly play the song. And I just find it so similar to, like, big sports events happening, right? Like Ooh, good comparison. Yeah, so, for the, like, the most recent sports event would be game seven of the 2016 finals right mm-hmm. people still talk about it and people will still be talking about it and it's like where were you when lebron james like lebron and Kyrie like beat the warriors into 2016 but we also like frank ocean's music and his art it's the same thing where it's like where were you when you first heard um pink matter you know yeah yeah what were you doing when the first time you heard self-control like these are just things like moments in history almost. Yeah. And I guess like when back then when in high school, right, when I know your home your home hormones are still still raging a little bit. So the songs like hurt a little more when you like think about that girl that you used to like, you know? Yeah, it does. It stings a little bit. But that's why 
I try not to connect too many songs with temporary people. But then you never know if they're going to be temporary, and that's life. Summer, summer ain't the same, James. Never is. Never is. And, oh, it never is. And then, it's like not all of his songs are about love, right? I think Super Rich Kids is a song that I love that's not about love. It's like, what do you think Super Rich Kids is about? Super Rich Kids. I think it's about the people that are around him. And this was following the uh, Odd Future time in his life. And none of the people in Odd Future were really uh, rich, per se, at that time. And I think a lot of it, what it had to do with is people that he either like, went to school with or that just happened to be hanging out around him. Like He notices the different kinds of personalities between people with money and people without money. And super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. Like, he, he's noticing that difference, like, oh, I've got all these friends here, odd future, and I can count on every single one of them. While all these people with money, they got friends who are just in it for their money. They're not their actual friend. Yeah, that's pretty deep, James Garcia. But for me... I, I mean, think, the, I'm I, just going on that dissect level, just trying to get there. Yeah, dude. Do it. What about for you? For me, I just remember the first time hearing it, I just... It it felt like such a casual song to me compared to everything else that he wrote, right? The the beats and the melodies, it just it was just a lot more casual sounding song. So just like ignoring the lyrics for now, the song mm-hmm. it feels like he's just you know hanging out one summer night and he's just like thinking about his life and his friends and that's how he wrote the song, you know. And I I love how how simple it is, ignoring the lyrics, of course. The lyrics. Yes, it is- it is a very simple melody. It's very slow. It's just a boom, boom, bap kind of beat, as most 90s people would call it. And then the feature with Earl just takes it over the top. The features on like Frank Ocean songs are amazing. He never has a bad feature. I think my favorite feature is Andre 3000 on Pink Matter. Oof, great one. Pink Matter has the coolest lyrics on the song, on the album, I think. Just because he mentions like aliens, you know? Yeah. Aliens. That is true. Yeah. And I just realized this like a couple weeks ago when I was like doing my monthly Channel Orange re listen, which is like on Pink Matter, you hear like the background noises, and the background noises are of like a martial arts instructor. I did not, I didn't notice that hmm. until a couple weeks ago. I'm going to have to re listen for that. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it, sorry, it's not martial arts instructor, but it's like a class. A class of like martial mm-hmm. arts students just doing their um, doing their kicking and punches and their um, their yelling, uh, it, what as you do in martial arts. Hmm. Interesting. And then when I went back to look at the lyrics, it made sense because the lyrics he references like his own sensei. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. So that's I. I just love I, art. I love art that like reveals more and more to you. The more times um, you look at look at it or listen to it or read it you know mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's feeling like you can listen to a song and then find something uh else that you like about it every time you listen to it something new something like you didn't catch the first 600 times and it's such a it's such a re-listenable album channel orange it is i listen to it almost every time i need to make a trip to austin because it's almost exactly an hour long and it's a good 
tracking of like where I'm at, how far I am away from my destination. I, I really use it to reset sometimes, you know, when it's life's really complicated or there's a lot going on. I, I use the album to reset during a car drive. That's a good way to use it. And yeah, it's just, it's so, the whole album is so complex. It's not like an easy listen. It's a hard listen because there's so much detail into it and there's so much thought. Yeah, I would say, I would agree with that. But let me ask you this, just diverting from uh, Channel Orange specifically, do you have like a top three, top five of Frank's song, Frank songs? James, it's so hard to choose, man. How could it's you impossible. How could you do this to me? Well, you did it to me by asking what Frank meant to me. So I'm going to do it to you. Let me start. Okay. I think, I don't know. Okay. Let, okay. Can I, can I, I do? Can, I just, I just I, sprung it on you. I know. I wasn't prepared for this. Can I, I do? Can help you out and go first, if that might help you. No, James, I, I have to go first now because I can't, I have to be polite here as the host. That's fair. Yeah. Can I, I let me ask you this though. Can I, when I give my three songs, does it have to be in order or can it, can it just be top three? No, you can go top three, no order. Top three, no order. Got it. So one of them has to be Pink Matter just because I love how he mentions like aliens and how, because I, I have like a martial arts background. So I love, okay. I now love how I, I can, I can hear like a martial arts class taking place in the song. And yeah, that makes sense. Connects your hobbies with one of your loves. Yeah. He mentioned, so he mentions, um, his sensei in there. He mentions, um, Majin Buu, which is like a Dragon Ball Z character. With, Majin Buu. Yeah. Dragon Ball, which is like an anime that we all grew up watching. Right. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. So pink matters on there for, for sure and ivy because there's a story behind it of like this girl that i used to like and it's it's like one of the songs that i know exactly where i was when i was listening to ivy and besides okay what's my number three here my number three has to be sierra leone oh what a banger i'm so glad you picked that song yeah no no order here but those are my 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 top three that's a great song that's Probably in my top five, for sure, Sierra Leone. Yeah. I love that song. For me, it's really tough. I only have one song that's on an actual album. My first one, well, no order here, but first one of three is We All Try from Nostalgia Ultra. We All Try was the uh, beat, same instrumental that was used in the Adele song. I don't remember which song by Adele, but she definitely used it, and it's a very popular song by her. But in that song, he talks a lot about just his random thoughts, like about how, what he believes on the moon landing. Uh, my first thought that he might be, either by or gay was from that song. Um, it's just like a good random song. He just speaks his thoughts on random things. It's not one specific thing. And then with the, uh, with that beat, it just, it went well. Uh, number two is going to be Moon River. Oh, Moon River. I love Moon River. I mean, it's a cover, so I don't know if it counts, but... It counts. Okay. Moon River is... There's a story behind that one, too. I was visiting my girlfriend in California, and it was like a week and a half after the song came out. I didn't even know the song came out. I was just too busy with work and stuff and when we were visiting. and like It was the day before I left California, coming back to Texas, that I found out that song, and 
I was just replaying it the whole plane ride back. Like I probably listened to that song like 112 times or something. And I cried a lot. And I don't know, it sort of helped. I feel the same oh. way with Ivy. I've like my my Moon River would be like Ivy where I played that song a hundred times just because it, it always made me think of this one girl in my life, you know? Yeah. So for me, first time I listened to Ivy, I was just driving home at night and my phone was on like a phone holder in my car and Ivy was just like a couple seconds in and then I got a text from this girl that I liked at the time. I just felt like the timing of that was just perfect. So ever since then... Every time I, I hear the song, I just think of her. I mean, yeah, that's going to do it because then you're like reading the text and then the song, song starts picking up and mid-song and you're done with the text processing, processing your thoughts. It can hit. It can hit you. And Moon River, he released it on like Valentine's Day. Yes, he did. And I didn't know it. And I was so mad. I knew it. I, I think, was so yeah, mad. I think I was working. I was working at like a Boba store that day and then I saw it was trending on twitter so then i just like blasted it when i was at work because it was just me at work so i just blasted it and it was sounded amazing i bet that sounds amazing just to like have it over the overhead speakers at work i had no idea it was a cover i thought he i thought it was an original song until i found out later from my sister that it was audrey hepburn yeah it's an old song i like i like his his like twist on it yes i do as well it's very uh different even for frank yeah and then i want to give some love to nostalgia ultra here just because i didn't listen to his, him in order i love like strawberry swing on nostalgia oh, ultra great song and then the beats to like novocaine that was it just made 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 my like high school self so excited all the time to hear it yeah i feel like that was probably the only song on there that wasn't a cover or like the beat wasn't used in a previous song I think it was. I could be wrong, but I think it is. If it was released today, it would still be like a hit because it just sounds so cool and fresh. Yeah, especially American Wedding. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, American Wedding is uh, basically a cover of Hotel California by the Eagles. And he, it's not really a cover. He just uses the same instrumental and makes his own lyrics. But basically, the Eagles were like, nah, you can't perform this ever. So it's not on any streaming sites. And he can't ever perform it. So you basically got to bootleg it to get some audio of that one. Speaking of performing, Frank doesn't perform that much, does he? He does not. I, to my knowledge, and this is very limited knowledge, but to my knowledge, he's only performed like three or four times in the U.S. or something. Yeah, it's been like, what was it, when was Blonde released? Like three years 20, ago? 2016, yep. Yeah. So album this year, maybe? Possibly. I would say no. <laughs> Possibly. I heard, did you hear the Camp Flognoth stuff where they haven't released the name of that one last act? Yep. And it's like all over the Frank Ocean subreddit that it's going to be him. Do you and, think it's going to be him? Uh, I really hope so. Why else would they like keep it a mystery? I mean, that's Frank's thing is like to be mysterious, to not do too many interviews, to just do his own thing. To not perform. I mean, that's that's part of his stick. Like, he just is not in the spotlight very much, purposefully. Yeah, I also think it's gonna it's gonna be him. But let's say it is him. Would you would you come all the way out here to California to to go? You know, I thought about it. I'm not too big of a concert guy. Like, 
contests aren't really my thing. I'm not a big fan of crowds like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he would ever perform again. So at that point, sort of have to, right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like a like a party guy either. But I definitely like concerts more than like raves. You know what I mean? Yeah, I Ra- would agree with. That. Raves are like just an excuse for people to go crazy on substances. You know, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that that logic, but there's some. I mean, I, some people just want to release stress, but I would agree there are people who just use it as an excuse, like, oh, this is a socially appropriate time for me to do things that I normally shouldn't. I just, I just told myself that last the last time that Frank was near um, L.A., it was, I think it was my birthday, and I couldn't find like any of my friends who were down to go watch Frank Ocean with me, so I just didn't go. Oh. But, yeah. So how much do you regret that? I regret it a lot, but it's like back then it was just I was still like you know immature I I guess where it's like I there was something I really really wanted to do, but I couldn't like muster up the courage to just go by myself and just find other people there to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. So now now it's like if he were to perform tomorrow, I would drop everything to go, and I don't care if like I'm going alone or not. Like I'll find someone else to hang out with there. Yep, you'll find somebody like-minded there. So, so my last song on my top three is actually White, which was I think was on the Odd Future tape volume two, mm-hmm. and it's a very short but very beautiful song. And the lyrics on it are just crazy out of this world. I've been trying to dissect the lyrics on it for a long time, and I've come up with different theories each time. But White is definitely the one. And then when he did the uh, instrumental version of it on Channel Orange, he had John Mayer playing the guitar, and it just it sounded great. I just wish it was the actual vocals as well with it. I hate how he teases us all the time. Not all the time, but he does tease us with like he does like his cover of um, Scissors The Weekend. Oh, don't even give me. I want. I, wa- I want it. I want it released as a single now. He just won't. He's just like, oh, somebody got this version. And they'll probably post it on the internet, but that's as far as it's going. He's freaking, like, driving into the sunset as his own recording is playing in the car. And we get, like, 10 seconds of it. Yep. But no releases. I need that CDQ, Frank. I need it, Frank. He's a man uh, of mystery. Honorable mentions. Oh, yeah, man go ahead. Mystery. The honorable mentions, I don't, we need to have mentioned this song, Nights, for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, go ahead. Uh, we also should have mentioned uh, Chanel. I love that song. I don't know if you love it as much as I do. Yeah, I love you, yeah Chanel's definitely underrated. And then Self Control is definitely a great one. Last one I'm going to mention here, Close to You, which some people don't know, is mostly a cover. I think Stevie Wonder did it, and I think that's even a cover of an older band. I can't remember the name of right now, but an older band and I think it was like a boy girl band and they did close to you first but it's great and we haven't talked about um endless either we have not so I told That's you true. I told you a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago I thought endless was better than blonde and I said that was a little bit too far and I agree it was a little bit too far it was it was me being a little biased that I haven't I hadn't heard new Frank music in so long so when I finally got down to listening to uh, Endless, I was like, this sounds so much better than Blonde. But I'd like to retract my statement, James. It is not right. better than Blonde. 
officially retracted. We're good. We're good. It was a recency bias. I understand. Yeah, it was. It gets us all. But I think the first song on Endless was, which is also a cover, right, of Aaliyah's um, "At At Your Best, You Are Love." Mm-hmm. I love it so much. I love his cover so much. It's such a good like kickstarter to the entire Endless um, track. Yes. And with that, I present you a question, which should be an easy answer, but a question. Has Frank Ocean ever made a bad song? Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, but we just, no one's Ooh. ever heard of it. No one's ever heard of it. Okay. So you think he made a bad song and never released it? Yes. Yes. Like, hmm. like all artists have for sure. Right. I'm going to go on the uh, opposite direction and go on the crazy train here and say, Nope, everything he touches is gold. Whoa. He gives it one shot, Whoa. doesn't even have to try and do it a second time or perfect it. He just does it right the first time. Whoa, James. Every time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He can make no mistakes, Adam. Whoa, whoa. Okay, here are the dope posts. That's, that's still a bit radical there, James. <laughs> we, we like to be crazy here at the dope posts, but that's a little too that's crazy. Far? That's a little too crazy. All right, I'll tone it back. I'll yeah. say one out of every 12 songs he makes is average at best. Okay. I, you know, honestly, that guy, like, who, who like, releases music only once every, what, four years around there that time? Let's say, let's say half a decade, right? People yeah. who do that are just, like, super perfectionists, I think. I would agree. So they're not going to release a song where they're like, eh, I don't know, it's a, it's a little, little average. Yeah, like he wouldn't release it if he didn't already know and confirm with 15 other of his closest friends that it was an absolute banger. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm going to stick by my answer, which is he's definitely created bad music before, but he's just never released it because he's like smart enough to know like it's not a great song, so I'm not going to show it to the world. Have you listened to the Lonnie Bro collection? Um, I have not, no. I don't even know where to find it. I used to be able to find it on Datpiff. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Oh, like one of those like mixtape websites, you mean? Yeah, so maybe yeah. like on my mixtapes or uh, there used to be this other one with like a gorilla on it or something. I can't remember the name. But uh, usually on those kinds of websites, you should be able to find it. And it's the spelling of his last name, Bro, B-R-E-A-U-X, Lonnie Bro Collection. And it's just like, I think like 40 songs, some of them ranging from like 40 seconds to a good four or five minutes and there's some things that will support your argument i will say but they did actually get released instead of not passing the barrier of goodness interesting because you know you know um the weekend also has like music where he has that one album where he he's not like endorsing it but fans just somehow got a hold of it and then they just released it themselves you know what i'm talking about if you said the name of the album, I might. Um, I let me just search it up here. Cause I remember the weekend when like House of Balloons came out, and I'm guessing it's probably before that. Before, oh wait, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Wait, no, it's not. It's before that. What? Am yeah, I... House of Balloons, Thursday, and Echoes of Silence all became trilogy. Yeah, so those are like his official albums, right? Yeah, I mean he technically released it as his own thing there was one uh, one there's there's like a project that he never released himself but like fans like hacked it hacked hacked their ways into um getting it and then they released it and that was my point is that like 
even he has music that he's not really proud of, but fans like like still. Yeah, it's. I think it's like that perfectionist level of. I don't think this is good, but like eighty percent of other people will think it's amazing. I can't but believe we. I can't believe we got to. Oh, wait, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say they could also just be blinded by the fandom. Like if they listened to it objectively, maybe they wouldn't like it if they were told from the start of the song it was made by somebody else. James, are we blinded by our Frank Ocean fandom? Oh, I've never. I've only seen 2020 when it comes to Frank. Yeah, me too. Okay, cool. Glad we established that. Yeah, good. So I was going to say, I can't believe we, we've we been talking for like 48 minutes on just Frank Ocean. With... I mean, it feels appropriate. He, it's well-deserved. Yeah. Sh- shall we add some NBA references to our discussion now? Let's do it. So last night... I was tweeting, me me and you were trying to promote my podcast, so I was tweeting, I started off with, what does Frank Ocean probably think of player movement in the NBA? And your answer is? It's such a hard question, because we're purely speculating right now, right? Yes, 100%. Okay, I think, I think he's fine, I think, like, he's fine with it. This is, is like, assuming that he, he watches as much basketball as we do. Of course. But I feel like for him, as, like, an artist who like went independent after releasing endless he's he's like yeah. totally down with like people choosing where they want to go to be successful in their life you know the way he released endless and then blonde the next day was sort of like a the exact kind of thing i would expect from an nba player like the, that level of pettiness i think he's perfectly in, uh, in tune with the nba player and uh, the player movement i think he's uh or player empowerment, why did I say player movement? Player empowerment, and I think he wants to let everybody have the choice of what they want to do, because that seems what Frank Ocean is all about, to be free to do what he wants to do, and I think he would want that for the players as well, for them to be free, be happy with the decisions they make, whether it's declining a contract or choosing to play for a different team, even if you are on a contract. I just realized when you said like his pettiness, I couldn't agree more. Because I remember when, when Blonde came out or Blonde and Endless came out, I was just like reading the news articles. And so he released Endless as like his last project as part of his contract. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he, he wanted to he wanted Blonde to be like totally his own independently released um, album. And that is yeah. very petty of him. It was especially petty about it. He released it as a visual album, the Endless last album with Def Jam. So, and it was only specifically released, I think only on Apple. So only a portion of people got to see it, which means only a portion of money went to the record company. But then when he released Blonde, independently on Blonded Radio, Blonded Records, I don't know what it's called, it was everywhere. Anybody had access to it. And it wasn't a visual album. It was just a regular old music album, which brought in more money, which brought in more attention, and it was just masterfully done. Very excellent, petty level. I love it. Yeah, he released the arguably inferior album with the record label, and he released like his masterpiece with his own record label. Yep, so they get less of a portion of his money, and he gets more of his own with Blonde. Terrific. What kind of comparable pe- or petty comparisons can we see in the NBA? That's at the same level as Frank. I've been thinking about that, and oof, sort of tough. I can see some some pettiness from Kyrie. He 
actually in his Celtics career never played against the Cavaliers, which I thought was pretty petty. And now I'm foreseeing the same thing. He's always going to have a hurt knee, tight hamstring, or a load management day against the Celtics, I'm pretty sure. What about Kobe posting a picture of his daughters beating their old like rivals by like like I don't know, ninety points, right? Like, yeah, it was, like twenty twenty seven twenty seven to like one forty, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty bad. They destroyed him. And then he was pretty petty also when he was saying how uh mentioning that there's one random girl on the team wasn't in the picture because she had like dance recital or something. And then he calls her out saying, We know where her focus was like man she's like seven <laughs> and, then, Calm down. and then he actually then he had to like clarify so i saw like a screenshot of the caption and then i looked back at the caption and i noticed like he actually edited it because people were like misunderstanding where he's coming from but yeah that guy is super petty yeah he is it's actually so is coach pop so is coach pop he'll uh the uh shaquille o'neal hackashack first uh, few minutes of the season oh remember yeah that? yeah i remember that that was a, I mean, it was a joke, but it's still extremely petty. Agreed. It was a great moment in Spurs history. Also, uh, during the 2014 parade, I just happened to be downtown uh, during the parade for the Riverwalk. Uh, he was doing the whole Kobe thing where he, like, counts the number of championships on his fingers, but each time he was getting to the next number on his finger, he was like, as if he just remembered it. He's like, oh, yeah, number three. Oh, wait, I've got four. That's right, I've got five. And he just had like this shock look on his face each time he went to a different number. It was hilarious. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm not sure if you're talking about the 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 uh the gif with that with Kobe doing that. You know what I mean? Yes, that's exactly what it is. When yeah, he's yeah. like looking on the to his left yes. on the bench. Yes, 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 yes. It's exactly what that was. But he was just like more shocked about it and like more sarcastic. While Kobe was just like stone faced. Yeah, and I was I was telling I was talking about this with a, a friend a couple weeks ago, and I was saying that the the lady sitting behind Kobe was like the Lakers like trainer back then who like took care of like Kobe's injuries and health a lot, and he like loved her. Her name's like Judy Sato. I don't know if you I don't know if you recognize her, but I don't. she yeah. So she was like the I I don't know what her position was, but she was like she dealt with everyone's like injuries, you know besides from the athletic trainer but um yeah. she's actually gonna be back with the lakers for this season they they rehired her so oh, wow that's awesome yeah and i was saying to my friend that like she she helped make the gif like a lot better than it would have been because if you go back and look at the gif you see kobe like looking to the left and doing his ring thing and then judy also notices and then she like starts to smile at kobe as he does it <laughs> just like examining the petty levels yeah she like she's really uh fond of of seeing him uh do that it's over nine thousand petty level just had to tie in the dragon ball yeah majin Buu. <laughs> um so i actually have a little story about connecting frank with the nba so one of my hobbies is uh sports card collecting and that's just like my thing i love collecting basketball cards football cards and as I was starting to get into it, I was uh, looking at this cool uh, Kyle Kuzma rookie card I had. And then I noticed in the background, somebody looked familiar. So I pulled out a magnifying glass, because of course I had one laying right next to me. Turned on the lights and looked at it real close. Lo and behold, Frank Ocean is sitting courtside. On Kyle Kuzma's rookie basketball card? That is correct. Wow. 
So I post the card on the Lakers subreddit, and it got, I don't know, I, I was like a new Reddit user at the time. It got like two or 300 upvotes. And then it got cross-posted to the Frank Ocean subreddit, and it got close to six or 700 upvotes. And I was checking eBay prices, and it went from like a 75-cent card to like four or $5 right overnight. And it was my doing. So I apologize if you're trying to get a Kyle Kuzma rookie card at that time. I raised the prices quite a bit. Wow. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, he was wearing a headband, so people were like, trying to find out which uh, game it was from. He was wearing a headband. I almost never see Kyle Kuzma wearing a, wear a headband. So people were trying to like ID the shoes Kuzma was wearing to like match it up with uh, what game it was. And then we had people like looking at Frank's outfit and then see if there was any pictures online of him wearing that exact same outfit. And it was crazy. So I think they determined it was opening night, uh, Lakers-Clippers of the 17-18 season. Yeah. Wait, do you, know, do, do you think they're still, like, selling the card? Oh, yeah, the card's out there for sure. If you want, I can send you a link to it, uh, on the eBay link to it after the podcast. Oh, my God. I want it. Okay. You can get a good shiny one so it'll look like Endless. That is a pretty good story, James. Yeah. You weren't lying when you said you had a good story to tell yesterday. And I discovered it. Like, nobody on the internet knew about it until I, like, tweeted it out. And it was pretty crazy. Like, that's my claim to fame. Wow. That's impressive. Attention to detail, baby. Yeah. Let's get it. <laughs> so well, I think he was there for the Laker game because you mentioned that he's probably a Laker fan. Yeah. So I I, I was just, like, Googling um, Frank Ocean, like, NBA or NBA team and... I think I got onto his Tumblr page and someone asked him what his te- favorite team was and his answer was Lakers and then he's like Dem uh, Kobe haters or something. Hmm. I'm not I'm not sure if it was him. I think I I'm, I feel like it was him, but I don't know. And it matches up. I mean, he's there for the Lakers game, and at the time the Clippers weren't very great, so why else would he be there? You know, opening night seems like he's got some sort of like fandom. Yeah. Interesting. Hurts knowing that he's a Laker fan. What if he's not? What if he's not a Lakers fan anymore? Mm. What if he's a... he didn't like LeBron, and then when he got signed with the Lakers, then he was like, nope, I'm not doing this. What if he's a Kobe fan, and now that LeBron is on the team, he's not really a a fan of the the Lakers anymore? Well, you better just hope he's an Anthony Davis fan. Yeah. There's so many things that you'd want to ask him, right? Yeah, there is. He's a celebrity, but like he never goes on talk shows. Never. He's performed like on, I think it was Fallon or I don't know who it was, but. He did Saturday Night Live, but that was like, after that, he just totally quit like promoting his stuff on on TV. Yep. It's, uh, he's a mysterious kind of person. And I think that's why the, uh, Kuzma rookie card blew up so much was because I guess people didn't know he was there at that game. And like, usually that would be a thing that TNT or whatever would promote. Like they would just put him on camera and be like, oh, Frank's in the building. Yeah. Okay, wow, we are almost at an hour. Oh, we are we are at an hour or a little short. Hmm. Close enough. Yeah. Okay. One more question, maybe Let me two. Hear. Does Frank follow the ball with his eyes when he shoots, or does he stare at the rim? I think Frank is definitely a rim starer. Something just tells me like he's probably gonna have some poetic answer and just be like. It's not about the journey; it's about the final destination, or something like that. I think he I can. Like I think great. he can come up with a, a new, amazing song with the time. 
by the time that the ball leaves his hands and it's in the air to the time where it like touches the rim. It would be a perfect song. Yeah. So that's why he is looking at the rim. Too busy writing a song. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I feel I feel like every day he he's the kind of person to daydream a lot and just think of new ideas. So it makes sense that like he's not as focused on the ball and he's just like, you know, looking at the rim and just Yeah. Like if it goes in, like great. If it doesn't, like that's fine. That sounds like him, yeah. Just not too much of a care in the world to look at the ball trajectory. Yeah. Alright. And I guess one last question for you. What do you uh not want to see from the Lakers this year? <sighs> okay. What do I not want to see from the Lakers? Okay, I don't want let's just like like a separate answer to this. I don't want I don't want Frank Ocean to suddenly come out of his privacy and say like he's rooting for the Clippers. <laughs> Like, why would you choose now to, like, reveal yourself as a Clippers fan? That's what if he, like, the way he does his business and, like, this is my guy. He is me. And then just, I'm a Kawhi fan. Why would he wait all this time to reveal that he's a Clippers fan? I don't, I just hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> like, just one random night where it's like, he's he just posts something on Tumblr and then everyone's, everyone's saying, like, hey, like, he's a, he's a Clippers fan. It's, okay, I just hope that doesn't happen this year. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, you know, like some picture on Instagram of Kawhi and Paul George giving each other a high five. Yeah, so <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> but you know, the Lakers answer. It's like I just hope I just hope AD or LeBron they don't get injured. That's all. But the more important answer here is I hope Frank Ocean doesn't reveal himself to be a Clippers fan. That's probably the most important answer. Out of nowhere, just like like go Clippers or Clippers Nation. Yeah, that would uh, that would probably hurt your heart wouldn't it it would yeah well all right i think i'm gonna call it here james thank you for being on the show this is a great episode of frank ocean and hoops um anything you want to you want to say before we go um i would just like to say follow me on twitter if uh you want to converse frank ocean or hoops at j happy chillmore you heard it correctly j happy chillmore if uh you want to read some of my writing? Some of my uh, stuff's in there. I write about the Celtics. Simi Ojale, Marcus Smart, and I'm doing a piece on the salary cap for the Celtics. Uh, last thing is Frank Ocean's amazing and cannot make any bad music. There, I said it. I'm sorry. Had to. Speaking of music, and go ahead and follow James's friend, Jay Weil, who's like the closest thing to Frank Ocean I've seen. Yes, my boy Justin. His name's uh, Jay Weil or Jay Wiley. I have an action with one it's pronounced, but I think it's Wiley. Oh, okay. uh, Jay Wiley, he makes great music. He just uh, came out with a new song, Who's Loving You, and it's perfect. Jay Wiley, J-A-Y-W-I-L-E. Jay Wiley, Apple, Spotify, Tidal, wherever you want to check it out. All right, sounds great. And uh, I'll see you later, James. Thanks a lot. All right, Adam, have a good one. You got that feeling Oh